Hi. Hi. <laughs> Long time no see. Yeah. It's happening. We did it. <laughs> so, what's new with you? Oh God, uh, what's <laughs> new with me? I was doing vocal warm-ups before we met because I was like, I haven't talked to anybody all day, so I should probably like warm up my voice <laughs> before I start talking for two hours about this episode i don't know we were away at niagara falls all weekend for greg's hockey i should probably practice practice what that's awesome that sounds so fun yeah it was nice it was nice but i mean i was laughing at the table because literally in niagara falls it's like covid never existed nobody wears a mask anywhere and you know when in rome and now um it's it's hilarious i said at the table on saturday night at the banquet i said uh I wonder how many people are going to get COVID after this. Cause there was like 350 people at the banquet. And I was like, I'm sorry. Was, it, was this for a wedding that you went? No, no. As a banquet for the hockey tournament. It's like, Oh, at the end of their season, they have a big tournament every Easter. And then they have a big banquet with like 350 people. This is like huge attendance. It was very similar to the last one they had in person in 2019, which is the one. Well, I catered the one in 2019. I made all the food in 2019. For 350 people? Brittany. (laughs) Oh my God. I literally forgot that I had done that. <laughs> I was That's so a lot crazy. of people. It was insane. It was the first time I'd ever catered anything in my life. And I took it on. I said, sure, no problem. But it was 350 people. It was chaos down there. Like it was absolute chaos. And, but I'm shocked at how I managed to do it. I had a very, I got some help from people. I was going to say, did you have like a little staff or something? Because one person cannot do that. Well, I had a a few people. I had four people helping me on um, the day of, I think. Okay. And I had one guy come in, maybe three or four people helping me on the day before. And I had a friend of mine whose husband is a chef came down and helped me. He was very helpful because he came in and just calmed me down and said, everything's going to be fine. He put on his apron. He started seasoning. I made 1200 pounds of chicken. I made 1200 pounds of pork ribs. I made mac and cheese. I made collard greens. I made uh, beans. I made, uh, I offered a vegan meatloaf for people that wanted something vegetarian. I made coleslaw. I made green salad. I made flourless chocolate cake and toffee pudding all from scratch. And Oh I can't, my God. Just, I, I need like believe. five minutes to pull my jaw off the floor. That's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> Holy smokes. And it was so funny. Cause I was like, I did it. And I was, it was shocking. I could tell you a story but that whole weekend. It was crazy, but I looked at photographs of everyone preparing for the big fish fry at the Slovenian Catholic church, um, Brown's line, I think it is. Um, 
so they were preparing this fish fry for a few hundred people and they had 30 people in the kitchen helping. And I thought, Oh, oh yeah. my God, I had like four, three or four people yeah. and for half the day. And I did That's all the rest. Insane. How? That's incredible. I don't know. That's like a know. huge accomplishment. You should be very proud of yourself. Uh, I spent weeks beating myself up about how I did such a terrible job. And I, you know, I, I was feeling really, I felt so bad about myself. I actually got really depressed after because I thought I failed. Oh my gosh. Um, no, it sounds but, like you did an incredible job. Well, at the end of the day, the food was incredible and everybody mm-hmm. loved it. There was nothing left. Everything was gone pretty much like meat wise. Anyway, I had to give away a lot of vegetables. I I overshot because I've never done it before. So I bought way too much stuff. (sighs) But then I kind of said, maybe I shouldn't have taken on such a huge, like I should have just stuck to maybe a hundred people as my first go. Well, or like 20. (laughs) (laughs) Cause now I cater like my boxing gym would have fundraisers and I would always cater those. Like I'd always do something vegan. Okay. They got meat meat donated all the time from the butcher. So I thought, well, I'll do the vegan part. So I did like roasted mushrooms so people could make sandwiches with roasted mushrooms and caramelized onions and coleslaw and buns. And then I'd make cupcakes and cookies and stuff like that, you know? So it's really good. (laughs) My jaw is literally on the floor. Like if I could unhinge it. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Yeah, but that there's only so a, tasty. A hundred people there, so that's easy to do. One time I made uh, only a hundred. I can barely cook for myself. I know, but it's fun <laughs> to do that kind of thing. It's a challenge. I like to challenge myself, and I make um, was it the cauliflower wings? Everybody went crazy for. Um, so I did those like gluten free vegan cauliflower rings with the uh, uh, sorry wings with um, vegan ranch sauce people just ate those up like they were going out of style it was crazy what about you i was just gonna say were you in niagara falls the whole weekend then yeah we left like friday afternoon and we were there till sunday yeah so friday like greg played hockey and i didn't go to all of his games because i don't have time for that so i ended up going to get my nails done on um, oh they look so good on friday afternoon very nice and i i haven't had a manicure in years so it was nice like I just don't I mean always my hands are in water from cooking and cleaning and I used to do this for a living I used to do aesthetics so I just never bother getting my nails done because I can do it myself you know I learned something different about you every single time we talk (laughs) I did not know that you could do that as well Oh, I know. It's like Allie, my stepdaughter, she always says, Kelly, how many jobs have you had? <laughs> so when you're my you're age, a woman of many talents. Well, listen, um, she's had a few jobs too. So I mean, I used to work at Swiss Chalet. I worked mm-hmm. in residence at school. I worked right. in accounting. Yes. I was a TA for a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, no that's pretty much it i'm not that exciting <laughs> well accounting <laughs> takes commitment though you gotta like go to school and learn how yeah. to do that so lots yeah. of school mm-hmm. my my dad mm-hmm. is like are you gonna my dad is one of the senior partners at the office i work at and he's like so like you're coming back from mat leave right i'm like uh yeah i went to like a thousand years of school obviously i'm coming back <laughs> <laughs> Would I love to stay home with Wayne? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, we live in the city of Toronto, so mm-hmm. let's get real. Yeah. And also, 
I went to so much school. If I just stopped working now, no, that's no, not how plus, that works. No, that's not how that works. Plus, did you come around your, are you CGA? I'm a CA. So, uh, well, it's all called CPA now, but I'm a, I'm a CA. So I got a master's of accounting then did like the whole C- CA program, which okay. is like a bajillion hours. Yes. It's not actually that amount. I don't remember what the amount of hours was. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like, I cannot. Right. <laughs> the CGA was the thing when I was thinking about it, but I had to get a bachelor of blah, blah, blah before I could advance to the CGA program. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me. So you were part of that circle too, where you had to get, yeah, go through a lot more hoops to get it. Yeah. I think now they sort of, they created one stream. So it's CPA, but Mm -hmm. then as a CPA, then you specialize in certain things. So like my specialty is tax and audit, Mm -hmm. um, tax audit accounting. Um, well, assurance it's called, but audit is the term that most people know. And whereas, so CGAs, formerly CGAs, they would be able to do everything except for audits basically. Right. But audits are the least fun part anyway. So but yeah, you yeah. have to take all these courses. It's the same. I think all in all, it's like the same, same idea, just different courses basically. But right. Yeah. I consider yeah. it a CMA because I thought okay. it would be interesting, like very yeah. focused on business and stuff, but yeah, I could see you being like know. a controller for a company, like the internal accountant. Yeah. I did that already at this yeah. other place without any qualifications. So <laughs> that's very impressive. But then it gets to the point where you have to, in order to justify a certain salary level, Mm -hmm. you had to have the credentials. And I just, that economics class really threw me for a loop, man. I totally failed it. I, there were like 500 people in the class with me at U of T and I was just like, what's going on right now? And I couldn't, I tried to go to all the, um, what are those called? When you go to extra class, like classes at TA, like the tutorials and stuff. Yes. Yeah. And I loved the girl who did them for economics. I just didn't, it wasn't grasping it. It was just too, I don't know what the word is. Like there's different types of um, learning. Yeah. Abilities. Yeah. And I just don't know why I couldn't grasp that one simple echo 101. I just couldn't do it. Well, it's also when you're in a class of 500 people, it also makes it, I like, in my opinion, I like, I don't learn as well when I'm in that, in that big of a class, I have a better learning experience when I'm in smaller classes. Mm -hmm. Um, I had that experience with anatomy in university. I went to university, I went to McMaster and I I didn't know what I wanted to do out of high school. Maybe I've already talked about this with you, but I had no idea what I wanted to do out of high school. So I was like, wait one second. Did you cut your hair? We've talked since, uh, yeah, I cut it a while ago, a while ago. Yeah. I just not notice. It looks great. (laughs) Oh, isn't it just beautiful? It looks so nice. I saw you like kind of playing with it. I was like, oh my God. Okay. Sorry. So go on. I went to out of high school. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was always very into math. Um, I did like science. (laughs) Yeah. We've talked about that big mathy. Um, but my dad was an accountant and I guess I was being stubborn. So I was like, I don't want to go into accounting. That's what you did. I want to like forge my own path. 
Um, so I was, I applied to all these different programs and the, the hardest one to get into the one that I, I got into of all the ones I applied to the hardest one to get into. That's the one I decided to go and do. So which is what? Which, it was health sciences at McMaster, which is not for me. <laughs> okay. What's health sciences? What is that? It's basically like, it, it is basically meant to be a stream to go to medical school of like, a, basically to do something in the medical field, but most mm-hmm. people out of the program go to, me- go to medical school. So I was like, I'll be a doctor. That's what I'll do. I had no idea. What wow. Wow. Yeah. That's ambitious. Well, yes. So first year came and went, I was like, okay, I like these classes. Everything is fun and wonderful. Then the second year I had to take anatomy and I was taking this class and I had to be in this like tutorial room with all these body parts, real body parts. (laughs) And I could not, I was like, this is the most disgusting thing. Like I couldn't even stomach to be in the room. I was like, I don't think that this is for me. And yet so, you love bones and you love like true crime and everything. Love That's true crime. So love bones. Funny. In person though, the smell of the formaldehyde, just like, yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had to take two semesters of that scrape by like just right. barely. And then, and then just... decided to pivot into like, I, I finished the program, but because I like the classes for the most part, uh-huh. um, but I started one. taking accounting <laughs> and more math and stuff. You and surrendered. then did my master's. You surrendered. Yeah. You oh surrendered. yeah. I was like, hey dad, um, do you guys have an opening for a student <laughs> position? Maybe I should try this out. He's yeah, like, you had a- oh yeah. You want to try this out? This thing that I've been suggesting you try for the past 21 yeah. years or whatever. <laughs> he knows you better than you know yourself. Oh, for sure. I tried the first time <laughs> I worked there. I was like, I love this. This is wonderful. And no formaldehyde. Perfect. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think it would be cool. I I wanted to be a vet. And oh, it was so I, could, funny I could see that when uh, it was over Christmas. I think I was talking to Luke and my stepson and his his girlfriend, and they were like encouraging me to become a vet now at my age. And I was laughing. I was like, "Yeah, but then I wouldn't start practicing till I was 60. And then uh, what am I going to work until I'm 80? Like, obviously I probably would, but I always yeah, wanted to be a veterinarian it. for sure. Yeah. But I could totally I don't see know. that. I think it's too late. It's a bit late to start a medical degree at this age. I think. Yeah. I feel like a career it is... change is okay, but like a career change that requires like a 10, like 10 years of education truly is more difficult. Vet- veterinary school is no joke. It's. Oh Yeah basically becoming a doctor, but then even more specialized because you need to like, you're not just dealing with the human body. You're dealing with like so many different types of bodies. <laughs> like if mean? Joe Blow brings his snake in and then a cat <laughs> comes in next, you need to know, you got to know what's going anatomy. on. And exactly. you need to keep the snake and the cat away from each other because it could get dangerous. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. I don't know. I just, I always, when I, I it's one thing I do regret because I think I would have been good at that. Um, it would have taken some effort because I'm not necessarily tr- like scientifically 
inclined, like in a big way, but I'm sure I could figure it out. Do you know what I mean? Like I'd be able to figure it out. Oh, for sure. You're a smart cookie. Oh, you're so, God, you're my, you're like, it's true. I'm going to put you in my pocket (laughs) and just take you everywhere with me. (laughs) I'm like a, that was easy button, but I say other things too. (laughs) Oh man. Oh, I I knew that boost today for sure. I'm feeling like I'm lacking a little bit of hustle. Like I don't, that's why I was so grateful. Just so uh, I feel that this is part of our show. I don't know, but I was so grateful to Brittany for starting our trivia Tuesdays. It's like such an amazing idea. I love it so much. I'm glad you stole it from that other account. And it's just amazing. I just thank love you it. to what is that Cairo? O- Oshawa Cairo, I think is where yeah. I started playing it. Yeah, it's a great idea. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. I think it's, it's I do. think if I think if we like throw in like a live together, like some mm-hmm. point, just a quickie 20 minute, half an hour kind of chat once a month, say hello to everybody, see what happens. I think that would be really fun, but I Agreed. love the trivia because it helps me, you know, with the social media stuff, it's like, oof, well, you do all of it. Sometimes and you I'm keep like, on top of it really well. I try, but then, you know, today, like I said, I was lacking a little bit of hustle and it's, you know, it's when you're it snowed this, yesterday, I think maybe the weather has something to do with it. For sure. Yeah. Hopefully I don't have, I was also like, Ugh, today. <laughs> oh, okay, good. It's not just me. I was like, God, not do, just I have you. COVID? do I have COVID? Do no, have hopefully COVID? not. Cause I spent the it whole does weekend seem to be flying through though. People. Yeah. Like I know a lot of people I know have COVID right now, actually. I literally have heard about four or five people from the weekend that I saw on this weekend who have it. Greg and I are checking in with each other. We, Greg brought home some rapid tests. So we're going to test each other. I've never done these tests before. I've never actually been tested for COVID. So I'm going to check it out, see how hard it is. It's not bad. Yep. The first mm-hmm. test I got was um, immediately following labor. It was not oh pleasant. God, <laughs> like, haven't you been through enough? He was like, the nurse was like, I'm so sorry. We just, we have to do this. You got a temperature during labor. The indignity. Oh my God. I was like, do we have to? We ended up in COVID isolation for 46 hours because that's how long it took for the results to come back. I did not have COVID. What? Yeah. My labor story, everyone. Wow. 46. But that doesn't make any sense. How come they give you the hospital? But you can get a rapid test and that's fine. But you go to the yeah. hospital, it takes two days. That's weird. Yeah. I was like, uh, my, my poor husband um, threw his socks out when we got home because we live about five minutes from the hospital, but he was not allowed to leave the room and did not bring a change of clothes because we figured we'd be able to, like, we figured, oh, worst case C-section, which is what I ended up having. Yeah. Um, like he could go home, get some stuff, whatever we needed and then come back. He could not. Oh my God. That's <laughs> terrible. I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't, I that's haven't okay. heard this story. That's terrible. Yeah. Well, Wayne is here now and he's wonderful, but yeah, At the least... first two days we were like, yo, what but, is going on? But you were together. We were together. Um, Mark was sleeping on a chair that we learned about a day and a half in actually turned into a cot. <laughs> 
didn't oh know my that. God. <laughs> <laughs> like six after six hours after we found out, we got uh we got uh released or whatever. And nobody told you. No, the the uh housekeeping staff came in and she she saw Mark sitting there and she was like, you know, that turns into a bed, right? Oh my god. Mark was like, what? Nobody <laughs> told him. These we tried. Sleeping. Yeah. And so nurses come in every two to three hours, like on the dot, because they're checking, like, how's the baby? How are you? Um, we'll give the baby a bath, we'll get you up to walk, like whatever. So so many nurses came in. <laughs> and yeah, Mark did not have a bed for a little while. And nobody said anything. That's insane to me. That's insane yeah. to me. Wow. Well, now we know if we have another kid, then we'll, we'll be pros. <laughs> we'll be like, the chair goes down. Everything's fine. <sighs> anyway, I didn't ask you how you're doing. What's going on with you? You're very kind to ask me what was new with me. I know you well, wanted, I wanted to, to know. Well, There's nothing won't. really that new. Just the baby everything time. new about me is about Wayne so the fact he can hold his <laughs> bottle on his own now that's exciting he rolls both ways now oh my god he like the last week has he has had so many changes it's unbelievable mm. he started rolling um from tummy to back which he hadn't been doing he was mm. rolling back to tummy for like a month he was doing it at three months and then he was like mm, this isn't for me so I'm gonna stop mm. and I was like uh hopefully he starts again <laughs> wow he's like this is um, too hard screw this oh yeah he's like uh yeah no mom will pick me up and that's all i need <laughs> oh here so. we go <laughs> setting the dynamic early oh for sure wow. anyway nothing new for me just a bunch <laughs> of exciting things for wayne <laughs> hey everything's exciting when you're a bebe oh for sure yeah and life Life is easy when you're a baby. You just sleep, eat, play, and have, have poop, poop, poop explosions. explosions. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody else picks it up. And exactly. It up. Oh, so clean. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It sounds like despite today being a bit rough for both of us, because I think the weather sucks. It sounds like we're both doing pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I think people are really upset about this weather situation and I don't know. I haven't checked my weather app to see how long this is going to last, but from what I understand, it was just a freak occurrence or storm, but it always happens. It never ceases every spring right after Greg's birthday. There's always a snowstorm. There's always some kind of snowstorm. And we're always shocked. It's like, I know. (laughs) snow in april every year every year (laughs) what kind of a canadian are you you know always upset i get it always we talk about this episode okay fine even though both of us are like "Eh, this episode's okay (laughs) you know what we it's more okay full disclosure this is another full disclosure episode because we had one of those last time too Two full disclosure episodes. We started recording this episode last week. This is for the listener's benefit. We started recording this episode last week. And then I realized an hour, maybe an hour and a half into the experience talking to you about this show that we hadn't started recording. (laughs) Yeah. Neither of us noticed. And then suddenly we were like, oh, 
so we forgot to press record but we've had a wonderful conversation (laughs) oh my god so here we are again everybody just we're gonna give us another shot it's hilarious but Brittany was a queen and so sweet (laughs) and you were so kind because it was completely my screw up not really because I can see if it's recording and I did not notice (laughs) oh my gosh well i I'm taking full responsibility because, you know, that's who I, I mean, am. Just... If, if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. But the fact that you were so kind to me when mo- most people would have murdered me for not oh. pressing record. But well, I like talking to you. So it's just it was unrecorded talk. But this yes, time we're recording. We Now we're recording and now we're going to talk about this episode. I want to first welcome everybody to this episode of Squidcast. I'm Kelly. I'm Brittany. Brittany. Yes, you are. (laughs) Hi, Brittany. Hi. Brittany. Brittany. (laughs) Brittany. Hey, Brittany. I'm here. Present. Brittany. 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 Anyway, that's that's how I sounded. Forgot my name last week. That's how I sounded. I went, Brittany. I did press record. Anyway, uh, here we are. Anyway, we're going to talk about this episode uh, fourteen of season one, "The Man on the Fairway." Brittany, it is. Ready to start us off? Sure, I can start us off. It is an interesting episode. We have thirty-two scenes. In case anyone wanted to know. Here we go. (laughs) Anyway, so we start out by seeing Brennan and Zach riding a golf cart. I last week I said course. I wish should have repeated that again. Anyway, they're riding a golf cart uh on this golf course to get to this scene. Uh the scene is a plane crash. There were six passengers on board, we later learn. And the crash occurred around 4.30 a.m. It's light outside, so it's a few hours later, I would guess. Mm-hmm. Um, we learned that Booth hasn't been on the last three crime scenes with them. Zach is missing him desperately. He's very sad about Booth not being there, despite Booth constantly ignoring him. That's like their bro code. That's what he says. Yeah. It's so weird. Anyway, <laughs> Zach is so awkward in this scene. It mm. is cringeworthy because he is so, so rude. To this guy ian dyson with the ntsb he Mm -hmm. this guy comes up to them welcomes them to the scene explains to them what the what the situation is and zach is like um what makes this one of our cases because we're (laughs) kind of special and we're elite and we don't Mm -hmm. just sort through any set of bodies so why are we here (laughs) and this guy is dumbfounded he's like oh my god this nerd is talking to me so rudely yeah um but he does explain instead of just going off on him he does explain to him that uh this is a case of a bunch of vips on board we later learn that it's these like russian not russian there's no russians these chinese uh, (laughs) diplomats no russians no russians um that there are a bunch of chinese diplomats and american businessman on board so they want to know what happened with this plane um anyway at the end of the scene we learn that there were actually um that there is actually another set of bones that they find uh on this golf course underneath this plane crash 
Right. It's which, not related to the crash. Exactly. Exactly. And you mm-hmm. can tell it's not related because if you look at the bodies that they're finding, they're all black, they're charred, and the bones that they find are white, obviously a little dirty, but they're white. Also super, super small pieces. Um, and yeah, Zach makes a comment that there's a one in 10 million chance of this plane landing on this body, whether that is just him making up numbers or that's a real fact. I did not look up, mm-hmm. but you didn't do the math, it. Brittany. What's wrong with you? No, let's do these statistical. I thought you were my stats lady. I know I should have math- looked it up. You're like, my what's math. What's the chance with? of lightning hitting? Is that more or less? <laughs> oh, I think it's, there's more chances of getting hit by lightning. I feel like it probably it's more Hopefully. common. It's more common. Yeah. You don't want to play. Yeah. <laughs> Killing like, people for plane, sure. planes don't crash very often in general hopefully but yes 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 yeah so one um of, i'll sorry, sorry. Gonna say? go ahead no, i was just gonna say one of the things i missed was mm-hmm. did you notice the firefighter i haven't been able to find this damn firefighter <laughs> you're talking about Brittany claims there's a firefighter who almost takes like basically spills and does a face plant. He catches almost, but he doesn't quite, he like catches himself. It's more like a, like a slip. Yes. And almost fall. He's no fall. Yeah. A little stumble. I have yet to see it. I just, I'm actually watching it while we're talking so that I can like follow along and see things that I want to see. But, um, I have not seen this firefighter. I will look again for, and try to find him because I would really like to catch, like get a nice zoom in shot of this guy for sure. I think but- that I <laughs> took a picture of it with the timestamp. I need to pull this up. You sent me the video, but it was a little. Uh, like so pic- blurry, probably pixelated. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, yes. this is so great. Thanks, You're like, me. here's the firefighter. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> great so clear what i like about Um, the scene i'll just say this while you're looking that up i like the look of the scene it's you know it starts out with brennan and zach in a golf cart and you know talking like you said about missing booth which i thought was interesting now that you say it like the fact is that they do cases without booth that they're asked to look at these types of cases i more than just you know with booth and brennan if they do it separately from him so i think that's a cool thing to know and like how many cases are these people doing it sounds like they're very busy with uh, all these crimes but i also love this plane crash it's a terrible tragedy of course but it looks really cool like the set it does the set is really good. It's like, I remember, I'll always remember the pilot episode with those big balloon lights overlooking the body of water that they drained. Uh, I love that scene. Like those, I love the outdoor stuff. It's really, really, it's effective. I, I enjoy it a lot. What, what are you going to say? What's the timestamp on that firefighter well, girl? It's also a beautiful day, which makes it, I'm like, it wasn't a beautiful yeah. day today. <laughs> no, um, it, was terrible. <laughs> it was not a great day today. I'm no. I'm determined to find this. She's looking oh, for it. I'll- okay. <laughs> 37 seconds. Wait, 30. Oh, it happens at like 39 seconds, like in the middle left of the screen. Middle left. You know what? Fuck it. Let's just do it now. I'm going to rewind it and look for it. You said like nine. 
Yeah, like 39. Okay, okay, here we go. Middle left. I just rewound it. I'm starting from 27 seconds. Me too. Oh, look at to... us. We're like so simpatico. Okay. We're right in sync. Three, four. Okay, so see three, this five. firefighter kind of like in the middle now. He's walking, looks like he's going to walk across see, like a plank. I see. Oh, he's on the plank. The guy almost fell yes. there. That's so, the yes. That's talking about? Yes. Okay. Kind of okay. stumbles. I was looking at the other guy. There's a lot him. of guys. The, the uh, extras, the number of extras for this scene is actually, it's quite a, quite a few. Yeah. It's impressive. Very good set production and a lot of like moving parts. That's why I appreciate like these sort of expensive scenes a lot because I just think they put a lot of work. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I watched oh. this scene. Wait, like I watched this episode way too many times. So by the so time I like watched it for like, like so obvious it's so That's like funny. but you don't notice it unless you watch it like six times exactly <laughs> well i told you last time about uh a podcast called the worst idea of all time yeah where these two australian comedians watch the same movie every week for a year and they every week it gets crazier and crazier as they invent these incredible backstories for all the extras and all these like other things. So it's just, they're just riffing on what's happening behind the scenes. And anyway, it's just, that's so fun. It is really fun in movies and shows with a lot of extras. I, I learned, so I have a client who's an actor, but he's a, he's a professional extra. So he, um is a recurring extra which i didn't ever realize was a, was the case so some shows they'll hire background actors but like for example on designated survivor okay um the example i'm thinking of or even at in bones there are people that are going to be in the lab every single time designated i know it's survivor same yes, thing yes exactly like, and there's the a guy in, in the background this episode. yeah there's a guy mm-hmm. in this episode who's very active as an extra with his clipboard. And yeah. I just, I noticed him. I just, I thought it was really funny. And then you saw the fireman. I just, I think it's, it's great. It's so cool. Basically like they'll, they'll hire those people back for like a whole season to mm-hmm. be in the background at like in all the labs or whatever, which makes sense. You're not having, you're not having, especially in like a high um security facility you're not going to have like a revolving door of lab technicians it should exactly. be like relatively the same people that's awesome that'd be a good yeah. job actually to get like a oh, recurring yeah. thing like that because then you probably i don't know anyway you would know more about extras getting residuals because um i just don't think it's part of their contract but i'm yeah. just thinking about you can that. like their extras can be or extras can be part of unions instead like they there are unionized positions for extras which is kind of cool right anyway so we have to become extras on a show i always said to my friend i had a friend that we always wanted to be in one of those cheesy christmas movies that they film in bay or up in muskoka or whatever they do these really bad christmas movies like a hallmark special they're terrible but so funny and i want to be in the background like with a big scarf and a big toque and like shopping bags and laughing with my hot chocolate or something i just <laughs> you'd be really funny oh i see you i i can picture it like fur coat maybe even oh. like a fur hat 
Oh yeah, totally. Throwing your head back with your venti (laughs) coffee. (laughs) Apre ski, darling. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, so let's. Okay. uh, Yes. What happens? What happens? So we're moving on to scene two. So this is an awesome scene (laughs) because Doctor Goodman brings the pain. Um, we don't see him really putting his foot down very often. He's very friendly. We love Dr. Goodman. We both do. Mm. Oh, I love him. Um, yes. So he's having a meeting with Angela, Brennan, Zach, and Hodgins. Angela and Brennan are seated and Zach and Hodgins are standing. And as you would expect, Hodgins is being an ass. Um, <laughs> what is Dr. Goodman telling us about? Brittany, <clears throat> this is the greatest meeting ever had in the history of meetings. Goodman is telling everybody to keep their traps shut, that this is a very highly sensitive case because they have some diplomats that were on the plane and there's all this like questionable crap that's happening and they just want to keep it under wraps and on the DL and Hodgins, do I have to clear my throat? Hodgins (laughs) starts in on Goodman about how he doesn't, want to be a participant in any kind of secrecy and typical conspiracy theorist. Yes. And Goodman (laughs) says, well, you're free to leave. (laughs) And Hodgins is so surprised by this. And he goes like he, he's like a brat. He like scoffs. He's like, I'm a toddler being told no, (laughs) but he stays. So of course, he wants to know about these two communist uh, Chinese trade attaches, exactly. an American businessman, a pilot, a co-pilot, and a mysterious sixth person. Yes, this is what uh, Goodman wants him to focus on is the sixth person's identity because they don't know who the sixth person is. Brendan is arguing that these extra, you know, bones they found near the plane crash are more important because they seem to bear the marks of someone who is actually dismembered, therefore murdered. And she thinks that that takes precedence over the identifying of this other person. Goodman saying, no, this is like you said, he's bringing the pains, putting his foot down. He's saying, no, yeah. focus on the identity of the sixth person. Don't worry about those, about those extra bones. What do you think is a higher priority? It's a good question. I I like that question. I haven't thought about it, actually. I like Brennan. I like that she's very uh, focused on justice. She, yes, that that's where her motivation lies, I think. Whereas Goodman's motivation is is coming from the top. So he's being told by authorities that this is the priority and he has kind of no choice as someone in that position even though he might philosophically, you know, think, yeah. yes, of course the murder takes priority, but he, his hands are tied. Whereas Brennan, I don't know. I honestly, I I'm being very diplomatic here. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> Please tell me well, your opinion and I will find my, my opinion own. <laughs> is as follows. I think in my mind, okay, this is not a case of a plane falling on a living, falling on a living human being. Like we're talking about bones that are, we only have three bones, three skull bones and nothing else. So this is obviously a case of someone who died a reasonable amount of time ago for it to just be bones. Yes. So in my mind, even though there's a murder 
which yes, it's important to figure out who the murderer was, who the victim was, etc. I feel that the victims of the just happened plane crash yeah. should take precedent. Precedent. Okay. You've you've convinced me. Okay. I uh that doesn't I happen very often. Well, no, <laughs> it's not true. It's also political, right? Like you have to be careful because yeah, it could be sensitive as well, which I mean, I know Hodgins yes. doesn't agree with that, but you know, you have to make sure everybody's getting what they need, you know. I find it interesting in this episode, after just making a, a trivia question about this, <laughs> that Goodman is so hard on uh Hodgins. Because Hodgins family is the top donor to yeah. the Jeffersonian Institute. So in my mind, I would think that Goodman would be kind of tiptoeing around him because he doesn't want to lose his funding. Mm. But instead he's telling him like, you want to leave the room? You cray cray. <laughs> well, I've also been thinking about this too, because um we're people are listening to this now but we're in the future sort of like this weird podcast future because I just released episode 10 today and I was thinking about this relationship that Goodman and Hodgins have and where did this all begin like their sort of disdain for each other and it started with the gala I think in our experience like perhaps in the world of the show that maybe existed before we had any knowledge of it maybe excuse me do you know what I mean like maybe in the pretend world of the show they always hated each other but for us as a viewer as viewers only notice their antagonistic relationship starting around that time when they he didn't want to go to the gala yeah. And then in episode 10, they had this horrible, um, really bad uh, time together. And it was all Hodgins's fault. Mm-hmm. And this time, I think that a Goodman, I saw, I'm starting to think that Goodman resents Hodgins on some it level. It seems like it. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Whether that started sort of in this like pre-show world or if it was... <laughs> Or if it was that gala that kind of set him off and pissed him off to the point that he was like, I don't like Goodman anymore. Yeah. And I'm going to make his life miserable. Right. They're just, yeah, they're not, they're not good together. Like they're good together as actors, obviously, because they're creating the situation. Yes. But um, yeah, the writing and the acting is great, especially with their, with them, because you feel they're like dislike for each other yeah they're always but, sparring they're sparring yes. all the time and lots I of think friction goodman's just over it like he's just yeah. like this is tiresome for him but <laughs> just and i <laughs> i'm very like conscious now all the time i put that my knowledge of hodgins being rich i always put that like oh he's he's coming from this place of like total yeah. privilege complete entitlement like totally like not even uh attached to reality on some level because he's so rich <laughs> yeah well there's a writing decision in the very future oh yeah that sort of tests his character 
and makes him much more likable. So okay. you will like Hodgins at some point. I promise. I, you know what? I don't believe it. I will eat some kind of horrible thing if you win. Okay, perfect. I look All forward. Right. To, I'll, I'll think of the horrible thing for now. What's next? Okay. Well, you are gonna kick me for saying this. What? Uh, figuratively, because we're not in the same room. But um, <laughs> so the next scene is just an entire scene of sexual tension between Booth and Brennan. <laughs> oh they're standing in the lab in that room that has where they store all the bones Mm -hmm. i love that room this i love that room and like the scene that it creates every single time it's a great um great 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 set so they're looking at bone fragments and booth is reminding brennan that he that she misses him so much and she's saying not a chance. I don't miss you. And he's like, hmm, yes, you do. <laughs> and it kind of just keeps going back and forth. She, she, there is some important information in here. They talk about how the bone fragments are that they found. There's three fragments. There's a piece of a skull, a chunk of a vertebrae and part of a femur. So not three parts of a skull. Like I said, about 10 minutes ago, and they come from a person who was hacked. So obviously she's putting, um, precedence about this case over the other case for now even though she was specifically told not to um but yeah so basically they go back and forth back and forth back and forth and the a security guard thank goodness walks in and they learn that they have a visitor but last time we talked about the scene you made a pretty great comment and observation about what booth tells her about oh yeah says to her what did i say about the pga so basically she's trying to get him into oh, helping with this case. Yes. <laughs> I was just and, looking at the scene between them and how they're looking at each other. And you're right. Like there's oh, like the a tension. moment where they look at each other. And it's just like, come on guys, get a room, simmer down. <laughs> but so at one point during the scene, so basically mm-hmm. Brennan has called Booth there to discuss this case. Yeah, she is hoping that she can convince him between all the you miss me, no, I don't, you miss me, no, I don't um, <laughs> comments, uh, convince him to help her with this case. So basically, that would mean that mm. the FBI would have to get involved. Right. But he kind of jokes around like FBI doesn't have jurisdiction at the golf course. The PGA does. Yeah. Well, she's trying to get him to help her with the mystery bones because. Mm. Yeah. And he's he's just playing games with her it's so funny i love it this is i love it when booth is silly i just there's something about david being silly it just and like his smile up. is so cute uh he's just kind of like giggling <laughs> it's a great scene i really like the scene yeah but it's a great scene to a point like if they said you miss me no i don't no i don't back and forth like three more times it would have been yeah. too much yeah. So thank mm-hmm. you, security guard who came in mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they go mm-hmm. back to Brennan's office and who is there? We are introduced to one of the creepiest men ever. And we, we have met some creepy men in this show. <clears throat> I mean, we we dealt with a serial killer in one episode. What was his name again? 
um Booth's old case. What's that yeah, guy we on death row? The man on death row. Anyway, he's I he was creepy. Just made a trivia question about this. Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> uh, the man on death row was creepy. Her ex professor was creepy. Yeah. Um, there must have been another creep, probably in the pilot episode. That guy, the stalker, was very creepy. Yeah. Um, but this guy walks in. Howard Epps. Howard Epps is the name of the serial killer. That's right. Yes. So we're introduced to this gentleman named Jesse Kane, who is apparently an expert on missing persons. And he seems to know a lot about this plane crash, which makes Booth a little bit upset. Like he's like, what the hell is going on? And then he also is somehow aware of the fact that these extra peripheral bones were also found at the crash site. And the scene ends with him saying that he thinks those bones belong to his father. Yeah. I, the fact that he knew about the communist Chinese threw Booth off. And then other than introducing himself to them saying, hi, special agent Celia Booth. I'm Jesse Keene. He literally ignores Booth for the rest of the show. Like it, I know it's, it's, like, it's like he doesn't Booth exist. Is a ghost. Exactly. Yeah so frustrating (laughs) (laughs) anyway we'll get into how creepy jesse is but i just yes guy walks in he thinks the extra bones belong to his father and i'll say it right now this guy looks like james spader i'm going to definitely show you a comparison i can actually show you did i not show you a picture of james spader before or was that what we just discovered we discussed it but you didn't show me the picture I think it's when we discovered we we hadn't been recording at that point so i was more concerned about losing our whole show <laughs> but yeah then we have our intro that's not the song every time i'm like law and order that's the song spader are you ready i do yes i'm ready i'm gonna pick one that looks like him okay is this gonna be like the time oh my it does look like him he totally looks like james that's so odd because james spader has more of like a round face now that he's older sorry holy smokes james spader was a hottie i'm telling you he was like he was such a bad boy in all of his movies Oh, I lo- I've always loved James Bader. He's fantastic. He, I really like him in the blacklist. He's wonderful. I haven't really seen the blacklist, but uh, he was very well known, especially in the eighties for playing such a bad boy. Look, look at this. Look at this guy. Look at him. Damn. He's yeah. He's damn. James Spader. This is a James Spader appreciation podcast. 
We love him. You should see some of his movies. He's very sexy. Um, what could I say that he was in that would be something you might know? I feel How like pretty- this comes as a, as a surprise to me because I've only ever really seen him in the blacklist. Oh my gosh. I, it's so funny. I was listening to a podcast today, these young women uh, doing, it's called Celebrity Memoir Book Club. I'm only plugging it because it's very good, but um, they were talking about someone I was so funny because I mean I'm of a certain age so they didn't know anything about this uh person and it just cracked me up like um I think they were talking about Warren Beatty who was like a very famous actor back in like the 50s 60s 70s etc and this terrible movie that he made back in the 80s I'm gonna look up James Spader and uh we're gonna have a James Spader moment I I can tell you who that actor is I'm just gonna Warren Beatty. Oh my god! <laughs> but uh, I'm showing my age. Oh god! No, maybe I'm showing no. mine. Gee, Willikers. <laughs> okay, James Spader. Oh my god, he's been in so many wonderful. Okay, the first thing you have to check out is a very famous, famous. Uh... Well, obviously he was in Pretty in Pink. Did you ever see Pretty in Pink? Don't tell me you haven't seen that. No. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, this is what we're dealing with here, people. We're dealing with a person who has never seen Pretty in Pink. Okay. I'm terrible, though. Like, I'm so, Mark gets so frustrated with me because if a movie looks old, I have trouble oh. watching it. But you I'm watch Pretty, no, you have to see Pretty in Pink just for the Pretty fashion. Okay. For the fashion. Okay. Okay. Like Molly Ringwald, it's like, oh my God, it's perfect. The fashion okay. is so 80s. It's amazing. Pretty Any kind of John Hughes movie, all suburban Chicago white people is basically what we're looking at. But he was in a lot of sexy stuff like Sex, Lies, and Videotape. He did a, sh- a movie with Susan Sarandon called White Palace, where she plays this sort of trashy fast food restaurant worker and she has this sexy affair with him. He's been oh, a lot of sex. I think I've seen that one white palace you've seen yeah i'm gonna look it up wow okay um what else has he been in obviously crash which was okay i've seen that as well okay well you're proving me wrong how because i have seen some oh no i haven't seen white palace (laughs) i'm looking at the the cover for it I don't know why you would have. It seems strange that you would see White Palace well, and not Pretty in Pink. The the um, release poster, just to paint a picture, is um, James Spader basically licking Susan Sarandon's boob and her head is back. That's 100% the most classic shot of the movie, for sure. Because yeah. he, he, <laughs> he goes down on her. It's like super hot. Or she okay. goes down on him. I think she goes down on him, actually. Yeah, it's very hot. Okay. James Peter was like a bad boy. He was really like like a sexy bad boy in all those movies for sure. This surprises me so much, but like in a good way. <laughs> like looking oh, okay. at him now, I'm like, oh, I know. okay. Yeah, he got older just like I did. Like we all got old. Like that's okay. We used to be young and beautiful, you know. <laughs> well, you're still beautiful and still oh. young, even though you say that you're not. <laughs> you're so nice. However, uh, James Spader, no longer very beautiful. 
Well, he also he just... doesn't really smile in any of these pictures. And when he does, I can understand why he doesn't smile. But we he do like evil. James Peter. Yes, James Peter was great. Yes. He played a great, uh, great bad guy. Anyway, that was our James Spader moment. If anyone hasn't seen any James Spader movies, I highly recommend. Well, Pretty in Pink's a classic, but I mean, the sexy ones, I would go for like Sex Lives and Videotape, White Palace. Okay. You want to see him looking really hot. Those, those are good ones, too. I have some movies to watch. Well, <laughs> I just want to say that hmm. a few weeks ago when yes. I thought we were recording episode 14, but we were actually recording 13, <laughs> I sent a photo to Kelly yes. of Booth wearing his napkin like a bib. And <laughs> this is the scene that I was talking about. And I have yet to go back and like rewatch episodes to see if this is something he always does, but it seems very out of place, very awkward. They're at Wong Fu's and they are at Wong Fu's. You're right. They are at Wong Fu's and for some reason, this meeting with Jesse Keene has gone from Brennan's office to a restaurant. Not really yes. sure what's going on. I think Jesse Keene thinks that him and Brennan are on a date and Booth is like their adult supervisor or something. And like you just ignore the parent that's sitting there. Mm-hmm. They're like two teens on a date. Yeah. It's so awkward. The scene is cringy. He's explaining like he brings out this box. He's like, this is all my evidence on the disappearance of my father he disappeared five years ago he was on a trip to the cottage in virginia beach and poof he's gone and i (laughs) want to know where he is and i think that that's him on the golf course Mm -hmm. so here's my notes and i'm gonna keep ignoring booth because i don't want to tell him how i know about the chinese communists but britney it's super awkward Well, it's awkward because Jesse's a creep. And oh, so creepy. This is the beginning of Jesse. Can I have your number? Well, that, but also <laughs> man- emotionally manipulating Brennan. This is yes. the beginning of this really weird dynamic they set up with him thinking that he can talk to her very intimately yeah. about how she lost how her parents disappeared and how she can relate to him like he's totally manipulating her emotionally so that she'll be more inclined to help him and do you think that if that episode a few episodes ago she was she participated in a court case where she was an expert witness to explain to the jury why these two people who are on trial should go to jail for murder and this guy that she's hooking up with was getting information from her without telling her that he was also an expert witness but for the other side for the defense i guess um and this really hurt her and this is only a couple episodes ago so who knows how much time has passed in between these scenes right but i think because of that in my opinion because of that happening i think she was a little bit more guard she's a little bit more guarded now she's definitely this episode she does display some boundary yes making. and then yeah. booth my favorite i bless him i love him <laughs> he's so protective of brennan like he's <clears throat> i think he knows what's going on from the get and he's just i love how he's 
he's just protective. He's just very careful yeah. of getting her right involved. Away. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Okay, so what what do they determine at this um, dinner? At this point in time, um, they determine that basically we learn that Jesse Keen doesn't really trust the police because we learn a little bit about his father's disappearance, um, that there was no evidence of foul play, that he got involved and started being an investigator or doing his own investigations because basically the FBI, after a year, the FBI, the police, they said, good luck, go hire a private investigator. There's no evidence of foul play. We can't help you. Um, which definitely pissed him off. And then, like you said, Jesse Keene was then pulling at her heartstrings and telling her, oh, you know what it's like to lose a parent. you got to help me with this, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. And basically he gives her the notes, says, here's my phone number. Let me know if, um, if this is it, let me know if this is connected to my father. And ultimately, um, I think, I believe at that point he leaves. And so it's just Booth and Brennan Mm -hmm. and Brennan asks him to help with the case, ask Booth to help with the case. And he kind of like in a cute, like he's kind of like smiling, like, Hey baby, (laughs) I'll help you. Yeah, because she asked him for help, and he can't really deny her, can he? No. So he says, like, I can try to fudge it with my boss to convince him that this is attached to the Chinese plane crash thing, and I can help you because I love you, and that's the only reason. Oh, stop it. Oh, my God. You're crazy. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so she convinces him to do it. So. Uh, the next scene, we're back at the lab. I believe it's the next yeah. day. And we have uh, Angela, Zach, and Hodgins. They are telling Bren- uh, Brennan all about this sixth passenger that they encountered in their, uh, when they found the sixth person at the crash site. Sorry, I'm having a hard time talking today. <laughs> uh, so they've determined that the sixth passenger was female in their 20s, Caucasian. And then, of course, this is when we start with our Hajan saying that she was a female assassin. And then Zach thinks that she's a flight attendant. And then Angela assumes that the woman was a sex worker. I thought she was a flight attendant as well, because this is a flight of five people. (laughs) And you need a flight attendant who's going to serve your drinks for you. Who's going to remind you that you should put your seatbelt on for takeoff and landing. Yes, these are important things. These are very important things. It's like when you go to the Leafs game and you're in a box and there's only a few of you, we have a waitress that takes care of us. So, you know, it's like, you know, just have to make sure when you're living the life of the rich and famous, you got to have a waitress, you know? Exactly. Do you think Kylie Jenner flies without a flight? attendant? <laughs> I don't think so. Honestly, I have no idea. It's possible. I mean, they're not huge planes. And I mean, true. I'm sure they bring assistance with them that sort of grab yeah. drinks for them, you know? Maybe it's but assistance it. versus like flight attendants. I don't know. Let's put it out there to our listeners. Anybody know? <laughs> Do private planes have flight attendants? I need mm-hmm. to know. Yeah. Because this caucasoid female, approximately mm-hmm. 5'10. Mm-hmm. With epiphyseal fusion, putting her between the age of 20 and 25, mm-hmm. and a 
person, which I can't even pronounce this, so I'm not going to try. A person who wore high heels. <laughs> we want to know. Was she a what? flight attendant? Was she a femme fatale? Mm-hmm. Or was she a lady of the night? As <laughs> Angela thinks. Lady of the night. Is this one of your quizzes? I think you're in quiz mode over there. I'm definitely in quiz mode. A, B, or C, or none of the above. (laughs) Exactly. So they start talking. They kind of abandon this person uh, that that they're trying to identify and start talking about the mystery bones. And they've already done some research on it, determined that it's a middle-aged man who had arthritis and he died about five years ago. So he, this is when Brennan starts, like, this is where she starts campaigning to have him conspiratorially help her with this case on the download. So uh, Goodman doesn't find out. It's interesting because I think at this point, there is um, a thought going through Brennan's mind. Obviously, I don't know what she thinks, but there's, I think, a small spark that has her thinking that potentially this is Jesse Kane's father because this is a middle-aged guy. Check. He's been out there for approximately five years. Check. Which is when that he works out. disappeared. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So I think that almost also gives her another push. Plus, I think she's a little bit defiant generally. So I think she likes the idea that she could be doing something against Goodman's wishes. And well, everyone's... Th- oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. You go. Well, there's that, but also she's a scientist and scientists are naturally curious. And this is a very curious thing. Yeah. Well, Hodgins is definitely in. Oh yeah. He's totally in. He keeps going. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. I want to do it. Anything to defy Goodman. He's in, you know, uh, except that she, her only job he actually gets is to stop Goodman from finding out. Zach and Angela, who don't even want to participate in this, I know, but out of respect for Brennan, they do. They right. get actual jobs, so she's yeah. gonna see if the shard fits the general shape of the skull of Jesse Ke- Jesse Kane's father's skull. And then Zach apparently got some job to analyze the cuts on the bones. Right. So we got jobs. Right, and then Angela Hodgins gets was a fake like, job. Didn't know what to do because there wasn't enough. Uh, bone to draw anything so brennan says well just use a picture see if it could fit the skull and i was like damn angela almost had the day off there almost she could have been at the uh, diner counter with keen in the next exactly in the next scene yeah they go to this weird sports bar country bar kind of place i couldn't tell what kind of place it was and this is when i realized that he looked like james spader And then I wrote down in my notes, is he a bad guy? I was trying to figure out if he was the bad guy or what was going on with him. Because he was so weird. Like his vibe was so, it wasn't evil. It was just Just creepy. creepy. Yeah, it was really creepy. I think the writers were painting that picture that they want us to think. At this moment, we have no idea who the victim is. And I think the writers want to at least give us some sense of like some guidance to figure mm-hmm. out who, who done it. Yeah, so exactly. there, we don't know how he's involved, but we get the, at least I had the, the sense that somehow Jesse Kane is involved in the death of his father. Um, or involved in the case somehow. 
Yeah, it's strange. But the scene that she goes to the bar to meet him, she's meeting, I don't like this meeting him in restaurants and bars. But yeah. anyway, I think the whole point of this next the scene is because it's nothing really important that couldn't have been discussed over the phone. Yes. But <laughs> basically what we learn here, this is where we learn that Booth is awesome because she tells Just. him that Booth Booth's going to help him. He's going to help with the case of the mystery bones. And Jesse just cannot believe that Booth is doing this of his own free will, that she didn't strong arm him or do some kind of, you know, I don't know what he's suggesting that she did to get Booth to help her, but she just yeah. said, no, I just asked him and he's going to do it. Like it's and not he's it's in love what with we... me. So he's going to do it again. <laughs> Stop. I'm done. Stop I'm done. <laughs> <You're so funny. laughs> I totally know where you're going with Booth and Brennan. I totally understand, but I want to enjoy. I need to reel the, it in though. Well, I want to enjoy the buildup, you know, like I want to enjoy the years of buildup so that it, like when it actually happens, you know, oh, I'll yeah, enjoy for sure. it even more. But anyway, I think the whole point of that scene was to prove the difference between Jesse and Booth, you know, yes. like these, these two people that she's dealing with right now. I think second, oh, sorry, yeah, secondary, secondary to that, I think also this is an example of her drawing some boundaries as well. Yes. As she gets the sense that he's trying to get them to bond over the disappearance of her or the, the disappearance or loss of her parents. So they both both lost parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and she tells him, listen, I'm not interested in doing that. Yes. Like, yes. Her and just kind of really set that boundary. Yeah. It's fascinating you're making me think of this episode again. Cause like it's, we're talking about it again. So I'm just thinking about, we'll talk about it later as well. Cause it does come up throughout the episode. Like there are two different situations with, you know, disappearing parents and how they each sort of react and behave to that situation. It's just yeah. it's really interesting to see that, but what happens back at the lab? So we end up back at the lab. This is such a cool, the way that they, mm-hmm. um, the way they shot the scene is really cool. So we basically have like a scan over the camera pans over these five bodies. Well, the six, these six bodies, um, the first five have, uh, names and pictures beside them. And then the sixth body has this like clip art cutout of a female head, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. with Jane Doe underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously very important. Obviously no one is touching any of these bones because they're all hiding Zach Hodgins and Angela in this computer room um looking at the bone fragments on the screen and analyzing uh the cut marks on these bones right and at minute 12 43 is our extra with the file folder doing some paper acting i just want to tell you i'm pulling this up i need to see (laughs) i need to keep talking I'll keep talking. Yeah, we we, we can gotta... keep talking, please. Yeah. So now I've decided that Hodgins, Angela, and Zach, I call them the Scooby crew and sometimes Goodman. So I call them yes. the Scooby-Doo crew because <laughs> they're always doing like all these weird sort of detailed investigating. So they're looking at bone fragments. Um, and Zach says they're, uh, they look like they were carved with a knife. So they're discussing these things when Goodman walks over to them and they have to try to talk their way out of trouble. 
uh, because obviously they're not looking at any of the bones on display of all the crash victims are looking at these random mystery bones. And in this scene, it looks, or it seems like Goodman is falling for it. Did you find him? She saw the extra. <laughs> oh my know. God. I've never seen someone focus on a folder with nothing written I, on the inside. I so, so much. <laughs> I noticed him so hard the first time I saw him. It was so fun. Oh my God. This is amazing. Thank you for writing this down. So anyway, I don't want to spend, sorry. They, <laughs> they tell Goodman, Oh, they start making up all this crap about the bones and they're trying to pretend they're talking about something else. And then Goodman looks like he falls for it. Like he acts like he falls for it. They're, they're ruse. They're trying to pull the wool over Goodman's eyes, but we'll discover like how difficult that actually is. Oh yeah. So the next scene we have Booth and Brendan driving around in the dark talking about Jesse and his father. What happens there? We learn about um, his father's girlfriend, Karen Anderson. So they're on the reason they're in the car is they're on their, their way to go and, and see this woman mm-hmm. um, because she was the main suspect when the investigation was, was on. Um, but she, I believe she had an alibi. So there was at the end of the day, nothing came of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they kind of realize that, or at least Booth makes the point that in, after seven years missing, the courts declare him official would it declare him officially dead. So by that point, then if she's a suspect or if she actually did it, then she could be siphoning out all that all the money before um, they have a chance to even declare him dead. Because once he's declared dead, then whatever his will said, the money maybe would go to Jesse Kane. Who knows? Um, but Brennan. <laughs> makes a kind of uh, makes a comment ms booth says oh don't worry we'll know if she did it like when we see her and she's like oh okay i looked those up on the internet so i'm gonna look for body language sweat tonal quality shifty eyes and booth is like uh you know what just leave that to me you just sit look pretty no problem (laughs) well i like uh, this particular character karen the wife she reveals in this uh, visit that actually Jesse and his father weren't on the best of terms and they hadn't spoken for like up to, I think it was two years up to the time yeah. that he disappeared. Surprise, and surprise. Cut, yeah. And he had cut off Jesse financially. So I love these red herrings. I love mm-hmm. them so much. So Karen does look suspicious. I mean, she did keep all of his money and did get a new boyfriend and stayed in the house and everything. So it is a little yeah. bit, hmm, it's a little bit questionable, but personally, I mean, if it was me, <laughs> I would keep all the money too. It's like, if you, you know, you're yeah. with a guy for so long and you put up with all the crap, like the least they can do is leave you the house, you know? Well, especially um, if Jesse wasn't part of his life before like mm-hmm. i could understand if he was like close with his son right and like you know you take care of the son yeah but they weren't close he's so yeah. creepy so uh, no, i get yeah. it it's bad does anything else happen no that's basically it we just find out about the new boyfriend we find out about how he got cut off you you covered it all and then we Excellent. end up back in the medical legal lab here we go i we do spend a lot of time at the lab i i we do, do enjoy that yeah it's I, I love that? the lab. That set is so oh, nice. Yeah, it's I really like it. It's really great. Um, this scene is kind of funny because Angela is standing by the door watching for Goodman. Um, <laughs> I know. They're like the Scooby-Doo crew. Oh, my God. And Brennan and Hodgins and Zach are being so loud. Ugh. She can hear everything that they're saying. 
Um, they're talking about when um, uh, they're talking more about the fragments. Basically, they figure out, okay, this victim was frozen, dismembered, fed into a wood chipper, and then mm-hmm. spread over the golf course. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and Zach is like, maybe we should tell Goodman what we've discovered because maybe he would change his mind. Mm-hmm. And everyone else is like, are you insane? No, he's going to suspend us forever. And that's not, no, we're not doing that. We're going to keep doing this behind Goodman's back. Yes. And Hodgins is like, that's the spirit. Yes. He's so excited about keeping it a secret from oh Goodman. It's hilarious. Angela and Zach are so uncomfortable doing that though. Mm-hmm. So I feel a little bad. Mm-hmm. And now Kane is back in the office, but in Booth's uh. office this time. Yeah. So is he, is he in the office or is he being interrogated? That's the good. Oh, he's in his office. He is being questioned though uh, about the riff with the father, because basically they kind of confront him and say, listen, I'm sorry, but I'm watching this video of him talking to Brennan and Booth in the office. And he just, he has this crazy look on his face. He does. He has crazy eyes. He does. Oh yeah. I feel bad because the actor is, um, he's actually Scottish, the actor. and Oh, I know. We'll talk about yeah. that soon. <laughs> okay. But part of me thinks that he was trying the, the accent, like focusing maybe on the accent was making him creepier. <laughs> maybe like his American accent is like creepy American, not just yeah. like regular American. Yeah, so Jesse's being interviewed and Booth's like, why the hell? They're like, Booth and Brennan were like, why didn't you tell us about your relationship with your father? Why it was so crappy? And Booth is so impatient with him. I just love how he's just, oh, I love it so much. It just, he just completely know. dislikes him. <laughs> oh, wow. It's so funny. But then Jesse does that thing that weird, creepy manipulators do where yeah. they they are oh, they cop to everything. Like he says, oh yes, he's trying to be very disarming and, you know, honest, quote unquote, honest about stuff, but he just, yeah. Booth, Booth hates him. And so do I, is all I have to say. I think Brennan is also getting a little annoyed with him because he's like admitting to all these things. Yeah. He cut me off, blah, blah, blah. But if he could see me now and Brennan's like, your father is dead. A dead person (laughs) can't see anything. (laughs) <laughs> and booth is being really um he wants brennan to tell him what happened to the victim of the bone who uh, who owns the bone fragments. yeah and um oh, brutal like he wants the gory details that he was frozen dismembered fed through a wood chipper he wants yeah. kane to know that yeah which he's is really like brutal. turning the knife right like he's just like turning the knife in the in his heart so they I think Booth found out or Brennan found out the type of wood chipper it was and Jesse's upset. And then Brennan just says like, we don't even know if it's him. Like relax. Yeah. Like (laughs) chill out. This is what happened to the victim, but it might not be your dad. Like calm down, take a breather. I asked a question like, is there no DNA in bones? That's a good question. I feel like with them being weathered, Maybe being mm. outside for so long. Yeah. yeah. Then okay, they couldn't. Okay, okay. But I would think, like, I swear they've talked about, like, extracting DNA from marrow before on this show. But maybe not. Yeah. Regardless, then, he wants to see the bone fragments. Which I think is ridiculous, personally. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just All have to three say, of them. Like, 
the fact that he's allowed to walk around the lab and go to the FBI and then go look at the bones. Like who is this guy? Like who said he could do Like I couldn't just walk in and go, it's my father. And like, like basically claim all this crap and then just have free reign wherever he walks around these places. I find it really wild. It's really wild and makes no sense. Like there's no. no security when it comes to him basically. Yeah. And he's totally convinced. Like he's super emotional about these bones he's so desperate to i think he's so desperate to find out if his father if this is his father that he's like really clinging to this idea yeah and they walk into this this legal lab for brendan mm. to show the the fragments yeah but then he starts to sort of casts my dad was a big man and this is all that's left of him oh, i can't believe God. it I know, but he also casts all kinds of shade on Karen. Yes. At this point in the scene where he talks about how she, he feels he, he took, she took too long to report him missing. Yeah. Two, I think she waited two days. Yeah. Like basically that he found out where his father was, that he was in Virginia beach and that he ate meatloaf before he died and that Karen waited two days before reporting him missing. And then Jesse does that creepy thing Ugh. again where he manipulates, tries to manipulate Brennan and uh, her emotions about how she doesn't have evidence of her parents. And I don't know. It's just, I hate him so much. Up until this point, I felt like she was kind of really maintaining that boundary. Basically... I think until this point, I, I really felt like Brennan was pretty good at maintaining that boundary and being like, listen, we're not bonding over this. Yeah. And then he makes all those comments being like, well, like, at least I have these bone fragments. Uh, at least I know what he ate for his last meal. You don't have that. And she's like, okay, come with me. And they end up back at her office and she hands this super, super thin file to Jesse mm. and saying says like, this is what I found. And he's kind of like, have you ever shown this to Booth? Like you didn't, like, this is all you have. I can't believe it. And then because it seems like a really appropriate moment, he leans in to kiss her and that she backs up. Is so crazy. Room, man. Yeah. That kiss thing is really weird. Like who does it's so that? awkward. That Literally. could be a real, like a back and forth. Like, Ooh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I could be my, a good boomerang for sure. <laughs> exactly. But she's super creeped out by him. And then Angela comes in. How long was she standing there? <laughs> she's like, well, this is my cue. <laughs> oh my God. You, you, you talk about Angela. God. Well, Angela barges in because she sees this happening. And I think that maybe Angela was creeping on them for a little bit because she came in at the perfect time. She's like, okay, this is my cue. Uh, and Brennan's like, oh, uh, this is Jesse Kane. And uh, mm-hmm. it is super awkward. Um, Angela's coming in to give some information about uh, the victim uh, related to those uh, bone fragments, not the victim that Goodman wants them to talk about. Right. Uh, and Angela turns, to, she gives the folder to um, Brennan and then turns to Jesse and is like, you know, as far as I know, which is quite far because this is my best friend, um, mm. no one has tried to kiss Brennan in this office and live to tell about it. <laughs> AKA back off. <laughs> 
Well, there's that, but also she has this weird thing where Angela wants Brennan to sleep with all these weirdos. Like, yes, she wanted, wants her to hook up with this dude. She wanted Brennan to hook up with her ex prof. She wanted her to hook up with X, Y, and Z. Like she just not a good friend. Again, this whole evidence of Angela being Brennan's best friend is, I just don't see it. Not a good friend. (laughs) I don't see it. No. Well, anyway, they kind of, they realize that it's not definitive at all. Not even the slightest. Right. But they come to a conclusion that based on what Angela has, the schematic that Angela has come up with, um, it could be this, these bone fragments could belong to Jesse Kane's father. There's a pretty good chance that that's the case. And Kane is like, I knew it. Um, it could be him, but it isn't necessarily him. So they still need to do some investigation. Mm-hmm. Ideally, they would like to get more pieces of the body. But like you just said, mm-hmm. um, the next scene is them walking through the lab, Angela and Brennan walking through the lab, asking uh, with Angela asking her, are you going to hook up later? Like, what? no, you might be a suspect back off. I know he might have killed his father. You want me to sleep with this potential murderer? It's like so it's, brutal. She has no. I don't know, man. It's weird. Anyway, Bad they go influence. to the angelator. They go to the angelator. Yes, to talk about this other case with the plane crash victims. They got to pretend and, that they're doing their job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Goodman is there. He's very impatient. He wants to know what's going on with this case. They want to know the identity of the sixth victim. Brennan was on the cusp of confessing to their, <laughs> you know, other, other activities of focusing on the other case. And then Hodges, he comes in to save the day with some toxicology data. And then that shocked me. Yeah. That well, he was so good about that. Well, no, Hodgins, he wants to pull the wool over Goodman's eyes. So I'm not surprised by, by that. What's really surprising is that Brennan still wants to confess. And then Zach jumps in with more data on the sixth victim. He calls her a prostitute. Now we don't say that word anymore, but he calls her that. And, but Goodman shuts him down. He doesn't, I love Goodman. (laughs) Every episode, you and I both pause and we go, I love Goodman. (laughs) Cause he shuts it down. He's so wonderful. Well, he just, he just doesn't want people to just automatically judge this person, uh, as a victim. And then Zach basically says that her feet are messed up and he doesn't understand why. And then Brennan says it's because she wore high heels. Yeah. And how long has it been since you've worn heels, Brittany? (laughs) A long time. (laughs) (laughs) Like pre-pandemic? pre-pandemic for sure yeah maybe my no even at my own wedding i didn't wear heels no i didn't even wear i wore heels to your ceremony but then halfway through the reception i switched into sneakers under my long skirt yeah yeah i'm trying to think it's been a long time i definitely if they were looking at my cuboid and medico malleolus there would not be (laughs) signs of wear (laughs) yeah no i just I don't know if I could, I, I sometimes 
force myself to squeeze my feet into some heels just to train my feet or something and get ready for pain. Yeah. I don't know. I used to wear just heels to experience all the time. pain. <laughs> so Angela brings up a face that she's reconstructed based on the remains of the sixth victim, uh, plane crash victim. Hodgins says out loud, <laughs> out loud, not with his inside voice. This doesn't help my case that he will turn out to be an okay character. That the sixth victim was hot. And I asked the question, why hasn't he been fired yet? <laughs> because and he's the, the donor. Because he's rich, exactly. And Goodman doesn't shut that down at all. He kind of ignores no. Hodgins's outburst. And then Brennan suggests I compare the face Angela came up with um, with escort ads yeah. in uh, DC. And Zach immediately volunteers to do this. And I was said, <laughs> weird, like their ads, like why? He what's he going to get out of an ad? <laughs> it's very he's strange. going to call the number in the ad. <laughs> yes, exactly. What happens um, next? Quick question. I know we want to move on, but how yeah, do sure. they know she was blonde? That's a good question. They just assign blonde hair to this woman. Is that something they can determine? Maybe, yeah, maybe there was a bit of hair left on the body. Perhaps, perhaps. Maybe that's an interesting question. I don't know. I we don't really see her remains that much. Yeah. So I don't know if there's any hair on there. But all right. Well, check out that big belt. We're now in the Jeffersonian <laughs> parking lot. <laughs> I always notice now. Um so Booth is out there and he has brought a black mantis wood chipper, which was the only one in Virginia Beach. So they subpoenaed the records from the manufacturer, traced it back to this specific machine, and uh, his people couldn't find any residue, but the corpse was frozen, so it kind of makes sense that that wouldn't be the case, that there wouldn't be any residue potentially on it. And also, it's been grinding up how many trees since five years ago, so it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Um, they decide to run some testing on this machine. Um brennan says to zach let angela do the escort matching like you don't need to call these people zach <laughs> um and he says you and hot and what she would says zach, you- i'm sorry what would zach say <laughs> uh hello i'm just uh just uh wondering um <laughs> if there was uh a lady of the night that can uh assist like- me <laughs> I know, but between him and Hodgins, the two extremes, like it would just be like Hodgins would be wanting their price list and like Zach oh, yeah. would be so nervous about asking any questions. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> that, oh, to be a fly on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Angela's doing the escort matching and they are going to run a dispersal pattern test on the wood chipper. Mm-hmm. So they're going to assume the victim is frozen solid and fed into the chipper. And Zach is pumped. He tries to give Booth a fist pump. Booth ignores him and all is good with the world because Zach appreciates this dynamic. Yes. This was established early on in the episode that Zach and Booth or Booth ignores Zach. That's basically what we're looking at. And their, their relationship consists of Booth ignoring Zach and Zach has convinced himself that this is normal and this is how it should be like oh this is our relationship where he ignores me all the time and it's like a good thing but it's like it's very and booth is actually aware 
of it. Oh yeah. And prefers it this way because I mean, it's, it's either that funny. or threatening to kill them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they end up at this guy's sparks house. Mm-hmm. Um, because he was part of when they subpoenaed the paperwork, they determined that he had used this machine around yes. the time of the murder. Yes. Um, this guy, Ray sparks. So after Brennan gives Booth some shit for ignoring Zach, um, they knock on the door and they hear things going on in their loud crash and they go, Oh crap, this guy's trying to run. So they go around opposite sides of the, of the house. Although yeah. Brennan tries to go the same direction as him at first. You know, she follows him to chase the culprit and he's like, go the other way. <laughs> Why are you coming this way? Don't follow me. Go the opposite direction. <laughs> so funny. So we get to see some violence from Brennan, which oh, it wouldn't be a bones finally. episode. <laughs> yeah, finally. They do catch him. She does not have a gun and feels like kicking him, which apparently is normal after a pursuit, but they try apparently. not to do that. Yeah, exactly. Booth says, I know like it, it would feel good to kick him, but it's, and it's a normal reaction, like adrenaline wise to want to do that, but we try not but to please do that. Don't. <laughs> So what are we doing back at the, oh, here we go. Back at the Jeffersonian. What do we got? The scene is so funny. Oh my it gosh. Is. And then once we're done talking about the scene, I need to talk about something that I forgot to mention a couple of scenes oh, ago, but sure. it's important. Sure. Sure. But I do want to talk about the scene because it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, Hodgins and Zach are rolling out a gurney, holding something large and completely covered, which later we find out is a frozen pig um fresh never frozen at slovenian functions <laughs> so <laughs> listen slovenians have full-on pig roast competitions <laughs> oh yeah it's awesome so this is a different this is a different type of pig but that's fine so angela mm. walks up on them doing this with a slurpee and a hot dog i'm just gonna oh mention that she's eating a hot dog and drinking like a slurpee from 7-eleven so gross <laughs> to watch this pig be literally shredded to pieces mm. yes um they hodgins had determined that this was the perfect time to do this test out in the parking lot because um goodman is off on some lunch with the president of harvard so he's not coming back they're safe they can throw this pig into this wood chipper and figure out if this uh, wood chipper is used to dismember that body. What's interesting fact I didn't know about the yeah. morphology of pig bones is almost identical to human bone. That's why they can use the pig. Oh, you didn't know that, eh? I did not know that. I thought everybody knew that pigs and humans were very closely related because they often, well, the first heart transplants were pig hearts. That's true. Yeah. And they do use pigs for all kinds of experimentation when they're, you know, testing out, you know, skin reactions and all kinds of different stuff. So, yeah, unfortunately, but well, yes, the more, you know, what happens? Tell me more. Oh, well, Listen, this was not well planned out. I'm just going to say this right now. I I don't understand why anyone would set up an experiment like this in a public place with, (laughs) there's all these people there because all the guys from the lab probably are uh, our file folder clipboard extras there as well. 
and they're all standing around their Jeffersonian. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, they're all standing around their Jeffersonian uh, lab coats, waiting for this exciting experiment to happen. And I mean, I saw a problem from the get-go because what they're going to do is they're going to take this pig and they're going to throw it into a wood chipper. And what happens after that is all of the body parts of this pig are going to spray everywhere. And who's going to clean that up? Like, this is the thing I was thinking immediately. It's how I think a lot of the time, like, who's going to clean that? How are we going to clean that? How can you clean that? Can I clean this? Like, I'm always thinking like that because... <laughs> It's a pain if something's hard to clean. Anyway, they start up the wood chipper. They throw the pig in. It's all very exciting. And then (laughs) until God disaster, everything goes everywhere. All this gross shit starts landing on people's lab coats. And Angela is so disgusted. She throws away her hot dog lunch. She doesn't eat her hot dog. And in the middle of this hilarious display, Goodman shows up and he was supposed to be having lunch off site, but then it turns out that he, some of this pig landed on his suit jacket and he gives this face. I'm going to so capture this face. He gives, he's so disappointed. He's so disappointed. (laughs) His face is so funny and he flicks so bad. He flicks this piece of meat off of his jacket and he's like harumph. Like he's got this face, like just like unbelievable. Like Like you are in trouble. I know they he's just like, (laughs) what is that? Um, the Ferris Bueller principle or whatever. He's very much like, yeah, just so angry about the situation. (laughs) So angry. So you pointed out, oh, it's an amazing scene. You pointed out, um, I think it was called the girl in the fridge that there was that the directing, like they had, they shot that scene from inside the, um, fridge. fridge. Yeah. So they, this shot of the pig snout going toward the camera. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) That was so awesome. They're like, kind of, they're like going one, two, three and every like time they go back and forth it goes against the camera i was like what a great shot do you know how people would be screaming at how gross it is like they'd be like ah running away it was just like our partners are slovenian (laughs) they think it was wasteful (laughs) we've seen a pig's head (laughs) no i just mean they would think it was wasteful to oh instead of cooking it Yes, (laughs) that's true. They're just shredding it. Pure comedy. This whole thing with Angela with her hot dog, and which is ironic because obviously there's probably lots of pig parts in a hot dog. But um, yeah, regardless, (laughs) yeah, I think they're like you can have a certain percentage of like bone and and like ligaments and stuff. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, pork bone's very soft as well. You have to remember. Yeah. Well, I do like hot dogs, so I really shouldn't be saying gross. Anyway, oh, hot dogs, <laughs> man. I had a hot dog recently that was very impressive. Oh, <laughs> it was up north in Bancroft. We were doing maple syrup and Greg's sister, Ren, brought her little barbecue made hot dogs. Ooh. I hadn't had one in eight like, years and it was absolutely scrumptious. It was, I couldn't remember how delicious this hot dog was. Sometimes That's you hot, dog hot dog talk. Thanks for coming to hot dog talk. <laughs> Thanks All right. Nice. What happens next? What do we got? Uh, so we get where now we're in an interrogation room with, with Booth and this guy, Ray Sparks, who had tried to run. Yeah. Um, 
he has a jacket. He has a ton of things that he's been in and out of jail for breaking and entering assault, drunk and disorderly. Mm-hmm. Um, but he says like for the last four years, he's been keeping himself out of trouble and he couldn't possibly have killed this guy, Max Kane, because he was in jail at the time that, um, he would have been murdered. So I feel like that's a pretty good alibi. Um, he does, uh, Booth interrogates him a little bit, gets a little off topic, but it seems to be on topic at the same time asking him, you live in a pretty nice house. Like, how do you afford to live in that house? And we find out that his mom had left the house. She passed away and she left the house to him and his brother about five years ago. Um, and who knows where his brother is now, but he was, like I said, in jail doing six months for skipping out on a DUI warrant. So I guess he doesn't need a lawyer because he couldn't have done it. Well, yes, exactly. This is interesting for sure. So he couldn't have killed Max Kane, Jesse's father. Yes. So after... Is that everything in that scene? I think so. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now we go back to the lab and we have <laughs> and we have Goodman confronting Hodgins. Ooh, about this icy. Now, this is really amazing. I just this scene is just like, wow, Goodman is the bomb so Hodgins isn't taking anything seriously because he's a rich white guy and he's entitled and he who cares anyway he gets whatever he wants but um then Goodman says he's going to punish him in some sort of way kind of administratively and Hodgins is still not taking it seriously at all like he's just basically being again very disrespectful no kind of no respect at all for Goodman. It's brutal. Yeah, it doesn't show any remorse for what they've done at all. Also, where is Zach? Because Zach was also part of this experiment. But anyway. I think, I think it's assumed that Zach is a Here follower. A, <laughs> a follower and not a leader. And he yeah. wouldn't have done anything. He basically did it at the behest of Brennan. And Brennan will probably get admonished because he's her intern. Yes. But then Goodman leans in. It gets really dirty with Hodgins. This is wonderful. And I don't know exactly what he said. I don't know if he wrote it down. I did. He basically, oh, good. He basically said he'll ruin his life. He will make his life a living hell. Goodman is going to make Hodgins's life a living hell because I don't think Goodman can fire this guy. No, I don't think so either. Do you want me to read what he says? Yes. He says, you think I'm a kind and fair man. Egoless, balanced, ruled by intelligent reflection. But I do have an ego. I can be vindictive and petty. I will take you down, even if it means striking at you through your friends and co-workers. And Hodgins is like, oh. <laughs> oh, and then he says, now you understand. Hold and on, then, Brittany. Just oh, let me do this. It's so wonderful. Your primary job is to do as I say. Failing that, your job is to fool me. You You failed to fool me, Dr. Hodgins. I'd have fooled you if you'd gone to lunch as planned. I'll find some administrative ways to punish you. 
parking, dining room privileges, budget reviews, that sort of thing. But if it happens again, I got it. No, you don't. Then he leans in. You think I'm a kind and fair man, egoless, balanced, ruled by intelligent reflection. But I do have an ego. I can be vindictive and petty. I will take you down, even if it means striking at you through your friends and co-workers. Hodgson's face. You understand? It's so great. And when he walks away, he has like this smirk across his face, just like... He enjoyed every minute and every word of that interaction. That made me like almost turned on. Like that was like <laughs> hot, man. Oh my god. Okay, not <sighs> to take away from how beautiful the scene is, but yes. his lapel has no indications of pig pieces on it. <laughs> Did he switch his jacket out or go to the dry cleaner in between scenes? Meh, he probably has an extra jacket. Plus, he has like that little lanyard go. ID thing. Maybe he covered True. it with his ID. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Sorry. Just wanted to make a point. I know it was a wonderful scene. Sometimes I uh, just gotta, you know, mention. But we're on scene 22 now. We're doing we're okay. Let's go. Yes. And Booth and Brennan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about how Ray Sparks was in jail when his father disappeared. So he couldn't have been the person who killed the father. Mm. Um. And basically, they're explaining to him that they're not sure if it was, if this is his father. But Kane is like, I need to know the truth. Well, Booth's anyway. accusing Jesse of killing his father, basically, at this yeah. point, right? Yeah. And then Jesse pulls his manipulative bullshit again on Brennan uh by trying to relate to her and then brennan takes off like she just leaves because she's i don't know is she over it she just she's upset because he's triggering her i think she he triggered her basically i think so i think she seems upset yes yeah i think for sure she's upset and Um, this i'm sure affects booth a lot oh for sure because he's so protective of of brennan he doesn't want to see her get hurt We, in the next scene, see Angela do her job, which is pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Angela's very helpful, actually, in this episode. Yeah, she is. She was the lookout when they were all whispering about the case in the other room. And then she was throwing her hot dog away at the pig. uh, Exactly. Lots of important jobs. (laughs) And then another job would be to figure out, based on the trajectory of that pig, um, test yeah. where the body parts would have landed on this golf course based on where they where they found the three fragments where the wood chipper would have needed to be so they kind of play around with it and then they figure out that if they place the wood chipper in a specific spot so that this wood chipper basically spits out these body parts over the stream then boom they know exactly where they should find more bone fragments um which is wonderful mm-hmm, except mm-hmm. that dr goodman walks in and Whoopsie. asks if they're any closer to identifying their mystery woman yeah and hodgins again walks in and mm-hmm. saves them um <laughs> and 
explains to them, explains to Goodman that they are, they send a list off to the FBI because they have an idea of who that mystery woman may have been. The FBI, it's in their hands now. And Goodman's like, okay, well, I guess you can turn your attention back to the bone fragments that I know that you're working on right now. (laughs) Which is interesting because Hodgins was like, yeah, it was like he was like a kid who got in trouble and he was like doing his work like, okay. Oh, yeah. Like, so he showed up focused with his homework and, uh, Brennan is so happy about this. She's like smiling like a little kitty, like a Cheshire (laughs) cat. Cause you know, now she can feel free to sort of investigate this, this, uh, bone fragments. Well, she got what she wanted. How could she not be happy? This next scene could have been a phone call. I'm just going to, I'm just going to say that. Okay, cool. Jesse Kane is sitting in his motel room with the door wide open and for some reason brennan comes by (laughs) have you ever been to a motel Brittany? (laughs) yes i've been to a motel do you ever leave your door wide open just randomly zero percent of the time (laughs) (laughs) i thought that was okay the fact that she knows where he's staying i guess he was really free with that information but also the 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 door being open really freaked me out. I just don't get it. Like, okay, he is. So she's trying to get back the file on her parents, which yeah. is very thin. There's not much in there. So I think that putting that in the mail with one stamp may have done the trick. Um, and that she didn't need to come in, or he could have dropped it off for her. That would have been fine. She could have called him and said, hey, can you drop that file back off for me, please? Yeah. But basically this whole scene is him, is her telling him we're searching the golf course for more bone fragments. He is mentioning her, the disappearance of her parents again, really turning the knife just a little mm-hmm. bit more. Yeah. Um, and she just wants the file and that's it. They're searching the golf course and she's out of there. She doesn't really want to linger. Well, yeah, this is where they discuss, like, she doesn't think it's healthy what he's doing. Yeah. His obsessive behavior about finding his father and stuff. Yeah. And the fact that he's sort of monetized this lifestyle of, like, searching for missing persons. Yeah. Anyway, she she's trying to set a really good boundary here, which I appreciated. I appreciate so it, but I don't know why she needed to tell him that they were searching the golf course. Because then he shows up at the golf course very creepily <laughs> standing there on the hilltop overlooking, I know, watching right? them search for pieces mm-hmm. this this song somewhere o'clock is ticking is playing by snow patrol it like really <laughs> creates a vibe yeah like, like he's watching like the, the uh what's that called when they exhume uh oh yeah he, it's like he's watching an exhumation or something like, like that he saw they're sad. just finding body part like body not even parts it's like little piece little fragments of body like why would you know go home jesse kane and your scottish accent this is what i was going to talk about a couple scenes ago and then we'll move on sure sure but in that scene where he tries to kiss her when they're chatting i during that scene looked up who this actor was because at one point yeah I was, his Scottish accent comes through so hard. (laughs) 
like so intensely. I was like, is this guy Scottish? Like, is this actor Scottish? So I actually you, looked him up. Yeah. Do you know what scene? It was scene 14. So it's when 14. she um, hands her file to Jesse. And he's okay, like, go this on. is all you have. Okay, go. So what and about so- him? It just like his name is Michael E. Rogers. He seems yeah. like a perfectly nice actor, but he is Scottish, very Scottish. And you yes. can hear it. And that's all I wanted to say. It was a very all short right. comment, but I just forgot. And now we are back. Where are we? We're at the lab. They're talking about the Sorry. fragments. They found yes. some extra fragments at the golf course when they decided what the dispersal rate was. Yep. And they find some anomalies with the bones. And it seems yep. that some of the pieces have been altered on a cellular cellular level and that because of this they determined the bones belong to someone who had cancer yes which they are thinking now that they need to look at the most recent bone scans from max kane's medical records when was the last time you got your bones scanned i don't think i've i mean scanned or x-rayed it says bone scans yeah, no. Bone scans yeah. where you'd be able to identify a non-malignant bone tumor. Like I have never gotten anything like that. I don't think. Well, would, an ex- they're would that not... show up on an X-ray? No, but they're not going to do that unless they have a suspicion, right? Because in Canada, they can't afford to be sending people willy-nilly to get their bones scanned yeah. um, unless they have a reason, unless they've had blood tests with lots of like crazy T yeah. cell counts and stuff like that. To oh, we later very soon we find out that max kane did have bone scans done right before he died which is very or right before he disappeared which is very unusual to me yeah that is weird i thought that was kind of odd but anyway we'll talk about it when we get there we're almost there but we find out that um booth calls and hodgins hodgins picks up the phone and is told that the locals just arrested jesse kane for attacking karen anderson so he is all riled up after seeing after listening to that snow patrol song while watching the bones be uh, picked up on the golf course. Jeez. Yeah. So Booth and Brennan decide to head over to the police station and talk about, and they talk to each other in the car about whether or not Jesse killed his father and they have this discussion. And then at the police station, uh, Brennan has to tell Jesse that the bones are not his father's bones. Yeah. And she sympathizes with him. She's trying to be very compassionate, which is not a side we see very often with Brennan uh, no. in this show, because he was very, very hopeful that they were yeah. his father's bones. She she shows off kind of a sweet side in yes. this scene. She pokes or pinches Booth's cheek and is oh, telling God. him like, like the chemistry, right? Um uh she's saying like i poked and prodded and i learned from the best and <laughs> cheek pinch and booth is like ah, kiss me now Aww. anyway sorry moving on that was in I'm the getting... car right or was it yeah, uh, yes in the suv that was yeah, right that at the end of that scene so cute it's so cute they they're their chemistry just like even as friends just is really it develops really nicely i think Oh, it's wonderful. I just love it. So they uh, back at the lab, they're all discussing 
who this victim might actually be the one that went through the bone chipper is that your accomplice and bone chipper <laughs> so they're discussing who the victim might be they go over the details booth thinks it's ray sparks's brother mm-hmm. um why do they think it's his brother they think it's him because of the timing Oh, because he's been missing and everything. Exactly. He's been missing and they had just figured out, they had just confronted Jesse and told him like, this isn't, this isn't your father. Your dad got x-rays two months before he disappeared. Very lucky. And the tumor that these, that this guy had, the, the victim had was from a slow growing tumor. So it would have taken years to get to the density and size that they found in the bones. So Mm-hmm. It's definitely not his father. Awkward. However, they mm-hmm. both of these brothers inherited the house. Ah, uh, yes. And they realized that would be the motive for Ray to have killed his brother. Mm-hmm. Um, they did one of the fragments that they found, I think, had a fingernail. And they think that and they were making note that there there was polyurethane polyurethane underneath his fingernail which mm-hmm. is commonly found in large freezers. So basically Booth says, I'm going to go to this house. And Zach is saying, you should be looking for a large freezer while you're there, because I think that maybe he was scratching to get out of the freezer. Mm-hmm. Awkward. Like, wow. That's a wild observation to like, go from A to B to C like that. Like, yeah. like all these links. I don't know how they do that. I find that really fascinating. Like generally like how they solve cases and how they deduce all these things. It's really quite yeah. fascinating. It was so unbelievable. They um, uh, head over to Ray's house. They do. I forgot to mention, sorry. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sure. One last point. Yeah. Um, this is the booth talks to Zach during this mm, scene. Right. And Zach is really very confused. Zach <laughs> is like, are you, ta- are you talking directly? Are to you me? addressing me directly? Like <laughs> me. And booth is like, obviously I'm talking to you. What is wrong with you? My mouth is aimed in your direction. My eyes are looking at you. He's like, but what about our guy thing? Like, am I not on the team? If you're speaking to me, <laughs> Anyway, it's, they basically shut that down, but Zach yeah. is like so concerned. I know. Anyway, but he's a smart cookie because where do they end up? Well, they went to Ray Sparks's house and they find a freezer. They yep. break open the lock and lo and behold, there's all these scratch marks and blood in the freezer. It's been five years wouldn't why? a smart killer get rid of that freezer? <laughs> why is the freezer still here? Why is there still blood and claw marks in it? Like he didn't even clean it. Like I find that very odd. And but he still locked it, which yeah, it's very... not. A, he's been to jail a lot of times. I think that maybe yeah. he's not very good at not getting caught. <laughs> wow. That's okay. Well, regardless, they find all the evidence where they need to find it, which is yes. very uh, amazing for them. More importantly, we go to the next scene, mm-hmm. which is another Jesse at his motel with the door wide open scene. Motel, hotel, holiday inn. <laughs> 
So Brennan strolls into his motel room and Jesse's packing up his bags. And I, I made a note that it was very weird that he left his motel room open. I just think it's it was so, so funny. Weird. So Brennan <laughs> once, went but over, twice. <laughs> yeah, I know. So Brennan goes over there, which means he left it open all the time. Right. Yeah. Um, so Brennan just wants to like tell him that they solved the case of the, the missing or the mystery bones in the golf course. I wish that we would get like a supplemental story where they actually do find his father and we find out if he killed his father. Right. Because we actually don't know like this, this, this uh, show, this episode, it leaves us hanging. Yeah. There's, this guy is still missing. Yeah. Could it be Karen and Eddie? Probably not Eddie because that's a new boyfriend. It's Could it be Karen? Karen. I'm going to assume <laughs> it's Karen. It seems like it's Karen. He just had to pay 1200 bucks bail and promise to stay away from them. Yeah. Because he had attacked them. But it is. Un- I just find it a little bit unfortunate that we we get a lot of closure in that we know that it wasn't this guy and we know who the victim was but it'd be cool to find out what happened with it would be a fun easter egg if booth was at the jeffersonian one morning reading the newspaper and there was like a little article like if somebody just snuck an article on one of the pages about you know murderer caught or something like that it would just be fun like an easter egg like that would be really fun later on you know Oh, for sure. I wonder, yeah. I wonder if they did something like that. We should look into that. Yeah. We, well, now that we're so, you know, we're doing these really detailed recaps. So I feel like I really know a lot about bones. Oh, <laughs> it's <yeah>. wild. <laughs> but I found it really funny at the motel. Like I felt like she was kind of gloating a little bit and oh yeah, like, sorry, it wasn't your dad. And he's <laughs> really trying to get her to look into his, her parents' disappearance. And he goes oh, in yeah. for a hug. To hug her goodbye. At least there wasn't a kiss this so time. Oh, creepy, man. Like the, the hug, even so creepy. Like, Don't touch me. Like, gross. They but do have, is, like, yeah, as gross as it is, they do have a good moment, I guess. I guess because Brennan set a clear boundary and she's because she set the boundary. That's why she's so compassionate, I think. Because yeah. She set a boundary, but she can still be empathetic about his situation and understand where he's coming from without getting, you know, enmeshed, you know, in his, his, uh, sort of, uh, obsession. I agree. I feel like we really hit this episode like a nail, like a hammer on a nail. Well, we're not done yet because this is like maybe the best scene of the whole thing. Oh, for sure. We have yeah. one last scene. What did I tell you? Yeah. Scene 32. Take Woo-hoo! it away. Where are we? Oh, we're in my favorite place. <laughs> <laughs> I just forgot the name of the place. Wong Fu. Oh, what? To Wong Fu. <laughs> to Wong Fu. Thanks, Julie Newmar. I ever see To Wong Fu? No. Oh my God. Really? I haven't for... seen a lot of things. Jeez. To Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. It's a movie about. It's an American version of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, but it has uh, John, I think, okay, you can correct me. The internet will correct me. John Leguizamo, 
oh god how do you say how do you say his name john luguiziamo oh my god i can't remember how you say his name anyway patrick swayze oh and another guy i don't remember anyway they play drag performers that travel somewhere in the southern u.s to this contest but then they end up getting stranded because their car breaks down in this little tiny town in the middle of nowhere and it's just about uh yeah their experience down there but patrick swayze is phenomenal he's just patrick swayze is like a king so yeah i don't know anyway it's a great tuong fu Thanks hey. for everything, Julie Newmar. Anyway, so we're at the at Wong Fu's and um, Booth's at the bar. Brennan comes in and Brennan asks Booth to look into her parents' file. And the way it happens is so organic and beautiful because she's kind of nervous about asking him, I think, at first. But he right away, immediately says, no problem. And he says that he's proud of her. He calls her temperance by her first name. It's I didn't so know sweet. What was going on? He said he was so proud of her for making this decision and he'll do whatever he wants, whatever he can to help her. And what did he say? He said something about them having the same friends or something like that. What, what was that thing that he said at the end? He said, um, you know, my people are your people are my people. Yeah. That's and she's it. like, I have people. Wait, I, uh, I have people. <laughs> yeah. Like everyone's rooting for her and we're all on the same team. And it's yeah. just like, Oh, I love him. It's so a much. really special I moment. Just, and I love him. The song that was playing in the background was look after you by the fray, oh, which are- is very special. <laughs> okay. Why is it well, special? Brittany? It is. Well, just because it like it, he really is going to look after her. And I think that he always has been. Mm. And she's finally starting to be willing to lean on him a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think he's always been open to this idea and he's been waiting for her to ask. But it he was patient and he he respected her boundaries. And now that she is asking, he's like so excited and ready to jump on the opportunity to help her. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, oh. the scene doesn't go by without an opportunity for him to ignore Zach because Zach does approach them and <laughs> offers to order some food for Brennan if she wants to join them for something yeah. to eat. And Booth completely ignores Zach and just continues talking to Brennan as oh, if yeah. he's not there. But Zach is but, smiling as he walks back to his table because he's like, yes, I'm back in. <laughs> yes, finally, we're back to normal. But I just really, I loved the whole episode booth was taking care of Brennan the whole time. Yeah. And I just was so impressed with how he's taking care of her without being like overbearing. And he's also sort of letting her do what she needs to do, like with her explorations and, you know, setting her own boundaries. Like it's just an amazingly empowering kind of friendship that they have. And I'm just so, I love watching this, like for the second time through, like I'm watching this season with you and it's like, I'm really noticing these incremental shifts in their relationship and their communication. I just love it. That's what I love so much about this show generally, because I think that even though there were 12 seasons, which would maybe allow for a lot of other shows to allow the characters to get a bit stagnant and 
not really develop much. There's mm-hmm. constantly character development and it's every character. Like mm-hmm. you're seeing development in every single character. And um, in some cases it's for the good in some cases less good, but <laughs> <laughs> in this case, it's really cool to see. It's really cool to see Booth and Brendan kind of fall into that um, like really wonderful friendship where she didn't seem like the kind of person who would ever like from that first episode, you would never think that she would be someone who would lean on, on another person like that. Yeah. She's really warming up for sure. And she's like changing her behavior too. It's really quite nice. Like how they play off each other. How, okay. I'm going to assume you like the episode, but I'll ask you, did you like this episode? I like the episode for so many reasons. I did not like Jesse's character. No, I think that that really took away from the episode and I, there's nothing against the actor. I don't think that it was anything for like anything with that. I think he played the character. Well, it's just, I think that they wanted to develop Brennan's character and show that she is setting those boundaries and they wanted to show give a reason for her to be asking Booth to help her with the file not just like willy-nilly out of nowhere Um, right but I just the character didn't really sit well with me I don't like that we don't know what happened to Max Kane I wish that that was sort of like tied up with in a nice neat little bow but it was a good episode overall Right. And we never found out the identity of the woman yes. in the plane crash either. Exactly. So there's a couple of open-ended. Yeah. But I mean, that's life, right? It's never yeah. perfect. So I kind of like that, that it doesn't just tie itself up in a bow, like, you know, like a Star Trek episode where there's three yeah. minutes left and you know that everyone's going to survive. So the yeah. stakes aren't very high, but um, did you again, like it? I agree with you. Just uh, the Jesse King character was absolutely awful. And I think if we could limit these creepy guys coming around, Brennan, yeah. although maybe that's also life imitating art or art imitating life because creepy guys yeah. exist. Creepy guys will do whatever they can to be creepy. So maybe <laughs> they just will never go away. We'll always be stuck with creepy guys all the time. <laughs> I want to mention before we uh, say goodbye to everybody that I was a guest on a podcast recently. Um, The podcast is called boobies and newbies, and it's a little podcast hosted by a lovely, lovely woman also named Kelly. Isn't that funny? So we, we were joking around about how we were both named Kelly and whether it was a Kelly thing and all these things. So um, what was I going to say? So what this podcast is, is a, a romance novel podcast and she has guests come on. They read a book and talk about it. Sometimes her guests are very well versed in the romance genre. And I'm telling you the romance a category of the literature is insane. There's so much available. Yeah. It's quite vast. Yes. And I am not a romance novel reader. Same. So I'm what's called a newbie. I'm not a booby. Okay. <laughs> so we talked about a book called what happens in Chicago. It was very sexy, very raunchy. I do get into it in the podcast. So if you want to hear me talk about. <laughs> I do. I have not listened sex. yet. Yeah, raunchy sex and uh, make all kinds of jokes about uh, codependency and. (laughs) (laughs) 
We can definitely uh, look at that. I apologize. I want to, her name is Kelly Reynolds is the host of this podcast. And she was very kind and gracious to have me on her podcast. It was, it was really, really, really fun. And I would recommend the podcast It's super well-produced and well-researched and fun to listen to. And it introduces you to all kinds of different types of romance. Perfect. I'm going to take a note. listen. Okay. On that note, is there anything else uh, you want to share, Brittany? about this uh, episode, about the show, about your life. I think that's it. All right. Well, I want to thank everyone for joining us on this episode of Squint Squintcast Squintcast. (laughs) with (laughs) Kelly and Brittany, Brittany, Uh, Brittany, 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 Brittany. (laughs) On that note, actually, um, Brittany Spears is pregnant. That's oh my God. I think I saw that too. I can't believe, well, I'm sure people are talking about it, but how did she keep that secret after all the dancing videos? I think she's probably earlier in her pregnancy or honestly, this could just be like a giant hoax. She could be screwing with people. Yeah. Not that that's something you should do, but I could see maybe that being the case where she's like, yeah, I'm just going to put this out there and just see what happens. Yeah, I don't know what to believe because all the yeah. videos that she posted of her dancing in her bikinis and stuff, I just feel like they were um, not that long ago. You know yeah. What I mean? uh, and like when you're pregnant, it does take a little bit to show, but like she's, she's a fairly sp- tiny woman. She's a little so. lady. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. she would. And it's also her third kid. So with multiple kids, apparently you start show showing quicker? much earlier. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't know. How old is she now, Brittany? She must be late thirties at the very youngest. Yeah. Let's find out. Wow. Because great. I went and saw her. She was the first concert I ever went to. Oh and, my God. um, my dad, I love this. Me. You went with your dad. Oh my God. My dad is the best. That is She's so 40. Cute. She's turning 41 this year. Oh God. No. So, no, she's not a spring chicken. No, but I'm sorry. No. That's hard to, I feel like that's really hard. <laughs> I'm 31 years old and that was hard enough to be pregnant. No, I'm sorry, but not no, for me. No, but no, no, no. Good for I hope, her. I hope it's a joke. That would be funny if it was. Yeah, it would be well, because she's constantly like, people are constantly like commenting and analyzing her life so i feel like it could be kind of like a giant f you to people like here's a I, here's a big nugget here you go um i oh, was just kidding it's fake <laughs> yeah i would think that was quite great on that note congratulations yes. to britney Sorry. spears and her new baby <laughs> i don't know <laughs> maybe, and, her, uh, and maybe her baby maybe call maybe? me maybe oh no that's uh not britney spears <laughs> it's carly ray jepson <laughs> on that note i hope uh we'll see you next time on squintcast thanks for listening to squintcast with me kelly booth and my and your new friend Brittany elsner the bones theme is performed by the crystal method they can be found on instagram and youtube at the crystal method and at thecrystalmethod.com. intro and outro music is by twisterium at pixabay you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Squintcast. Email us at squintcastpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me 
at fab underscore empire underscore on Instagram and TikTok. Brittany can be found at Brittany81523 on Instagram. See you next time. Hodgins! <laughs>